Hi guys and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more, as well as talking with guests on their different areas of expertise. All of this to bring you the information and practical advice you need to upgrade your training and reach your peak performance. Today we are joined by our first ever guest, Simon Drew. Simon is a professional fitness coach and recently has expanded his work into holistic coaching, including breath work, storytelling and the power of words. We talk about his journey of personal discovery over the last 20 years and how that has led to and influenced his coaching today. With that, let's get into today's show. Um, So yeah, hi Simon. Uh, Great to have you on the podcast. How's it going? Yeah. um, Hi there, Kieran. It's nice to be here. Um, I'm doing very well, thanks. lot of stuff happening keeping busy how about you about the same really yeah making my way through given given current situations covid and all, all that such <laughs> stuff well, it's a fun, fun place to be right now isn't yeah, it yeah fun place crazy world <laughs> yeah um so yeah first off i think what would be really great is if we can just talk through or, or have you talk through and explain who you are and uh what you do yeah um so i've um i'll go through my kind of fitness and health journey i guess um so I was a chubby kid up to about 10 or 12. And then I um, started maturing a little bit more and getting a bit more muscly, shall we say. And um, I'd always played football as a kid, loved that. Um, I, uh, I got into boxing initially, went to a local boxing club, which actually used to have to get uh, the bus to on my own. Um, I was pretty dedicated to, to kind of do that. I think it was when Frank Bruner was around actually when he, his early days, probably. Um, but anyway, got into that spent about a year boxing. Then I got into weight training with my best buddy at school, did about two years of weight training, really got into bodybuilding. Um, yeah, the, I think the barbarian brothers were the two guys that we used to, we used to pretend to be them with two American guys are really a bit nuts. And they used to drive like dress like cavemen in the gym, basically. It was quite funny. Um, anyway, um, did that stuff till I went to college and then turned into a softy graphic designer. <laughs> um, I started going back to the gym again, just kind of just general fitness stuff at about 22. Um, I then started playing football for actually a BBC works team down in South London. This was um, played football till about 27, still doing a bit of gym stuff and actually pretty light and fast about that age. I was, you know, 10, 10 and a half stone light and fast and, uh, played in various positions in football. Um, then marriage, children came, turned into a bit of a tubster um, within about five or six years. I was probably my heaviest, about 14 and a half stone for dad about six months. Thing, I suppose. Yeah, I was proper dad bod. Yeah, I really was for a while. And uh, yeah, the, I've got photos somewhere. They're, they're well hidden though. Um, and then the kids grew up a little bit. Um, we actually moved away from South London where we lived at the time up to to where we are not too far from Cambridge um, now. And I'm actually separated now from my wife. So I live on my own now. But um, when the kids were growing up, um, we initially got them to judo in, in when they were in South London. When we got here, we couldn't find judo. So we got them into karate. And I used to take them and I ended up taking them to karate and then joining in. Um, got really super fast and fit and got used to training really hard for two minute bouts and one minute rests. (laughs) Um, And um, I then broke a bone in my hand and couldn't actually fight to continue grading, which was really frustrating at the time. I spent two years re-breaking the same little tendon in one of my um, knuckles. And um, then I found CrossFit. Um, 
fell in love with it. One workout, um, my brother got me into it. He sent a workout to me and one of his friends one night. I think it was at 28th of December, 2010. And um, yeah, yeah. And we shared the work. We did the workout and the, the magic was sharing what it was like with your friends and, and my brother. And uh, I pretty much fell in love with it. I started researching. Anyway, I did my CrossFit certification about two years later. I was delayed a little bit by an injury um, and then immediately started doing a setting up a boot camp locally. And that that's how I became a coach primarily through those means. But of course, I got quite a lot of background stuff where really I learned a lot when I was a teenager on um, how to deal with pretty horrible injuries. I, I injured my shoulder when I was about 15 doing bench pressing. Um, and that that had been a long term injury and, until only about three years ago when I started to feel like I'd got over it. And I'm, I'm still in that position now. I haven't re-injured that particular shoulder in the same way. But um, anyway, I've been passionate about health and fitness. But really, the reason I got into health and fitness was mostly from the mental side as much as anything, because I saw that I could really help people adapt and get better, um, both mentally and physically. Because as you'll know, you know, the, a lot of the problem with actually getting up off the sofa or from in front of the TV and actually moving your body is actually you've got plenty of good reasons not to do that. <laughs> um, so drive and motivation and uh, having a reason for doing it and being consistent with it um, is all about the mental approach. It's nothing to do with the actual physically doing anything. Um but I've become much more skilled in both the uh, understanding of exercise science, the the way you coach people, um, both in the physical actual doing of the doing of the movement um, work. Um, but mostly I've become, as time's gone on, I've become much more passionate about cre creating that kind of deep mental change um, and allowing people to have more freedom in how they relate to these things. So not chastising themselves, but actually creating good pathways for, for regular, um, accessible and e what becomes easy to do stuff to make themselves better. Um, so I've now got to the point where I relate to myself as an holistic coach and actually an entrepreneur, would you believe? Because I'm actually sort of dabbling in a few different areas. Um, and um, so I'm much more freed up myself. This has been a personal journey. Um, and um, having worked with a number of coaches over the last sort of 10 years as well, coaching me in various ways in the last couple of years, I've really undone a lot of the early nonsense and stories that I'd got in my own head about who I was and how I was supposed to be. If you like my own identity, I've challenged my own identity, uh, the parts of me that I wasn't finding helped me. Um, and I've literally undone a lot of that stuff in actually only read some months as well. Um, and, and things still come up, but actually, I'm, a, I'm honestly, I'm a completely different person to when I physically saw you last. Um, so, yeah, it's been a it's been a long journey. And uh, I actually now really see myself as having purpose and actually living my purpose, not being wishing I was doing X or wishing I was doing Y, but I actually feel like I'm actually extolling all the virtues of all the learning, all the life stories, all the experience I've had in, in my own life. Um, to the point where I can really help people in a much deeper way, in a holistic way. So if anybody comes to me, it's really, I can, I can help them. It's very likely I can give them some either good feedback or good ideas on techniques on stuff, uh, or actually coach them appropriately to the problem they might have. Yeah, which I think is definitely 
an interesting an interesting path to taking. I think it's it's probably one that's where we we sort of share that in common, in in a respect of that that's where we've kind of progressed on. Because obviously we met initially through CrossFit, um, yeah, for what the best part of a couple of years, I'd say probably, um, sort of regularly training alongside each other, um, and sort of socially through the through the box, but. I think yeah, the, the the kind of the and I think I don't want to bash on CrossFit because I think I I certainly know for myself and probably for you as well it, it it's the it's been the spawn of a lot of for me my sort of direction and for you the kind of like the redirection if you like um, mm-hmm. towards where we both are now, but I think yeah there, there's some definitely some elements of that 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 can feed into um, some of that kind of more negative mindset and and it's not a not a particularly holistic approach i think i think it can be almost like you can separate out can't you that that exercise side of it and then the the kind of all the other parts which obviously where you've started to kind of progress your yourself and your your coaching business towards yeah um, for sure for sure so i think it'd be really interesting think, to, sorry go ahead uh i think one of the things for me is um certainly uh i mean I certainly don't bash CrossFit. Um, I, I actually have a thing about bashing CrossFit because I think I think a lot of people that bash CrossFit, and I know you've been within it, but I know you're approaching it from the perspective of solid exercise, strength and conditioning uh, focus. And there is certainly a difference in those approaches. Um, and I do think that the best CrossFit coaches who do the best jobs are people that take into consideration every step that anybody walks through as they take their journey through CrossFit. And um, I think there's a responsibility on both being coached and being the coach, because it's about, for me, it's about learning how to use your body. And if it's really about people understanding how they learn to use their body, what they feel they've got control over is their responsibility to some degree the coach can only do so much. Um, and I think, you know, the term scaling, which of course is adapting movements or weights or exercises specific to specific people for specific reasons is actually a very, very good thing. And I think the more you see a coach doing that, the more likelihood is they're actually really approaching it from a kind of a holistic health point of view rather than getting a good score on the board and rather than just sticking with something just because you say so. Um, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying there. Yeah, no, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and my, my, and my, 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 my personal relationship to CrossFit itself is, um, you know, I, I had a bit of a dip last year cause I wasn't doing a lot of exercise, but, and I had a transitional, I've had a transitional period where, where me as a a living human organism has realized where stress plays a part and where that stress comes from in terms of how I am able to relate to my being in any given moment. (laughs) So I've just become very aware, self-aware really. And um, over the last few months, I've started to put in some more measuring techniques, you know, so like I've got an aura ring now, which I've already mentioned to you earlier prior to the start of this, but um, I'm getting really direct feedback now about issues with sleep that I've had for num- number a number of years, and it relates. Some of it does relate to um, eating. Some of it does relate to drinking water at certain times of the day or the evening. Some of it does relate to how hard I've just worked out that day, um, and um, 
So I have different reasons now than what we, what I suspect your probable reason is, you know, you'd rather have your, your coach people, you'd rather coach people in an environment where you can control them and build strength, really strong baseline um, measurements for particular types of movements before you put them through something that's more speedy and vigorous. Um, so that you know you're putting them through in a in a controlled state that you understand they've reached. You know they can control themselves from A to B in a really good pattern, and they know that that's where the priority. Um, as opposed to sometimes the sensation is, and this is kind of the general thing out there with with you know the populace of people that don't understand these things particularly well, um, is that oh when you go into a CrossFit gym you're forced to do this and it's really frigging hard and it's really horrible and blah blah blah. And, uh, and I felt really out of control. Well, that's because you didn't take ownership of who you are. And possibly, maybe your coach didn't really nurture you into the class that day well, or you might perhaps should have been nurtured more carefully into that class. And again, that's down to your personal self-awareness and responsibility for yourself. But as well, it's definitely down to the coach. The coach should be nurturing and uh, progressing you accordingly. So, you know, as I say, the best coaches do that. Um, I'm so it's mentally and physically, isn't it? It's it, it, it's meeting people where they're at versus sort of blindly prescribing a a mindset, a a viewpoint, a an approach to to everybody. Yeah. It's kind of painting yeah. everybody with the same paintbrush versus actually seeing someone working out where they're at, and that's where the data comes into it. I mean, I have this conversation with people a yeah. lot in, in terms of tracking data for the sake of data versus it can be really useful. And obviously the whole point of, of getting these metrics and tracking these things is to actually learn something from it and, and have yeah. it then impart some kind of um, influence on what you do going forward. And yeah. stuff like then your ring and your circumstance using that, you're using it for a very specific reason to obviously analyze a certain thing. And then from that, base what you're going to do going forward. So base your kind of intervention, if you like, base what you're going to do in training, in life, in, in mindset, whatever on what it's yeah. telling you and i think yeah. that's where that's where the point is missed sometimes as you sort of said about people come in and, and coaches will potentially just tell someone this is what we're going to do without having ever really taken that that first step of like right where is this person at where do they want to go what's that deficit and and where do i need to approach it with that person as an individual rather than just like someone who's come to you that you're going to tell them this is the way and this is the only way yeah it's um it, it, as I say, unless you're a, a confident and well-experienced coach, it, it can be tricky to navigate. I mean, you you and I will have experienced people coming to the CrossFit gym. We we, we habituated and and you get people coming in who know CrossFit is really hard and aggressive and and they're actually they're actually pumped because they want to go quick. <laughs> but actually, you know, the coaches we work with there, I think, have done a really good job of taking people aside one because you look at the board and you go oh i'm going to do that i'm going to do that i'm going to do and they want me to do it by that oh my god there's a kind of adrenaline dump of kind of fear i'm just going to pop to the bathroom again before we start this <laughs> and and before you know it, they think they're going to do that and they've just walked through the door and they've been doing body pump down the local gym for three years and they twice a week and they think they know what they're doing and they think this environment is where they should be definitely and they don't realize what's about to happen <laughs> really because it's a different environment it's a different kind of thing because you are now competing although you might not think you are there is an environment of 
which is a great thing about CrossFit. You, know, you don't have to relate to it, this, but people who are new have got that, that sense of, I'm really good at this. I can move a little barbell up and down really well and do it. It's something we talked about off air a minute ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's that adherence, isn't it? And that's really powerful in that respect in terms of like what gets people in the door is is kind of the problems they're facing and why they want to go and do something to change that. What keeps them there is then that element of, to an extent, competitiveness, isn't it? And and this isn't true of just CrossFit. This is training in general where for most people that might be the most stressful element of their entire lives if we're talking stress in terms of actual physiological stress on their body rather yeah. than the kind of more mental stresses that come with work daily life or whatever um yeah. that might be the most stressful element of their day and and your body craves stress it needs stress in order to improve and adapt and so if they have that element through the, the training they're doing in, in a crossfit gym in, in a gym wherever with a personal trainer whatever that circumstance might be that can be really powerful in terms of adherence because that's what keeps bringing them back. The fact that it's really hard and pushes them. But yeah. maybe what we need to move more towards or move away from potentially is kind of hard work for the sake of hard work. And, and then realize that stress is how we, how we cause adaptation and improvements mentally and physically. And, and then use that as a kind of a catalyst, if you like to, to direct our, our, our path more towards the things that, from a scientific standpoint, be that exercise science or whatever, that they're actually going to take us towards the goals we want. So it's kind of just more directed, essentially, isn't it? It's not kind of that real scattergun approach of we're just going to work hard for the sake of working hard and we might make some progress somewhere along that line. So kind of like, right, these are the this is the narrow focus I want to 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 work towards as a goal. And here's how I'm going to do that by by applying stress in a way that's that's going to take me there. And I think it's really important in the mental side of that as well. And you're then perception of that. And obviously, I think we're going to talk, move on to talking around kind of like the, the idea of control um, and yeah. um, self-talk, really, that, that, that accompanies that. And, and when stuff gets hard, that's when self-talk becomes a really important, um, important figure within that kind of headspace, because self-talk is everything in that point. And that, that's how we will or won't be successful in whatever we approach and, and, and try to do. Yeah, it definitely, definitely has restriction. It causes a restriction in your your ability to focus and in your ability to perform whatever the self-talk is. Um, I just want to quickly go back to the um, what I was about to say about these body pump people. And this is just yeah. a an example. But, um, you know, the, the best of coaches will will actually pull, hold them back. We'll say, you've, you know, you've never used this this style bar before. We're going to get you just doing strict press as opposed to push jerks or whatever it might be <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep the technical down because i a i've not seen you move b you've not actually done this before it's a proper weightlifting move that's just one example um and you know the coaches i've worked with i believe do that um, very well and also one other thing about programming for crossfit um i think often the the idea of what people perceive as crossfit is not any strength work specific calm you know three minute rest between reps sets of five sets of ten whatever it might be but actually a lot of it is not not the main part of it maybe but good programming will have all those kind of things in there and it, it that's the kind of it and you'll have done this in crossfit as well you know you're actually doing effectively strength and the conditioning style stuff but yeah for sure the perception and, and probably 70 percent of the programming is is effectively hard speed work generally 
um, whether it's for a number of reps within a given time, something like an EMOM, um, or whether it's, you know, get 300 reps of this done within 20 minutes, or whatever it might be. There's an element of... Uh, a little bit of one person need, isn't it? Because because people yeah, need yeah. all of yeah. that kind of maybe more yeah. structured S&C type, type yeah. training, but what they want, and obviously yeah. the, the bigger tractor is all the hard, call it sexy, like... Yeah high intensity work yeah. which has an element or, or, or should potentially be an element in in the, the training but probably doesn't need to play anywhere near as much of a, a, a role as yeah. it does in people's perceptions of of that that style of training yeah i think i think for me definitely uh what 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 i realized about probably three years ago when i started working you know at the same gym as you working out the same gym as you um the um what I realized that, and actually why, why I realized actually before then probably why I realized I like the kind of boot camp style stuff that I do, which actually is based heavily on CrossFit, what I do in my, my business, my boot camp business. It's, it's, it's fast and hard and aggressive with short rest periods generally. And it's like that because A, CrossFit's a bit like that, but B, I trained for seven years in karate, which was all two or three minute round or two, two and a half minute rounds five times over with a maybe a 45 second minute rest so i'd got my, my in my head when i when i learned about crossfit it's like bang go 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 <sighs> take a breath go 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 <laughs> and it'd be literally like i i think when i first started i'd literally look at it as breaking it down like i was in a mini fight with somebody so you give it absolutely everything you could in the best form you could do when i was very i'm still quite limited mobility wise and um you know, I'm 55 in three days time. Um, but um, it, it it was a case of really, I love the high energy and that's kind of addictive and you get a particular kind of sensation from it. And that's one of the other things that keeps people in something like CrossFit. They actually get a really big high from really expending maximum energy. And actually that is a, that is a form of stress relief because you just feel so in what you're doing it just feels like you're in it. There's nothing that you can't concentrate on anything else, which gives you freedom from the other rubbish that's flying around your head. Those other sentences and statements about who you are and the day-to-day, -day, you know, sort of laborious stuff you do in your day-to-day -day life, whatever that might be. And we all have laborious bits and pieces um, that we've got going on or what we relate to quite often as that. Um, and it becomes that you get a lot of good feeling from being high, high energy, high output. Um, and actually now it's a good, probably a good time to talk about the kind of language stuff a bit more because a lot of it, the physiological side, by the way, for me, that, that you mentioned the aura ring, which I've now got, the data side, one of the other things I see from several of my friends in CrossFit who are still in CrossFit, um, not at the same box that we were at, but at a different box that's fairly local. Um, we often see people posting the 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 heart rate screen, like they've they've won a medal, you know, because it was so it was so good because they worked so hard. And I get they worked hard, and I get they're proud of themselves. But actually, like you said, it's about collect, really having that thing is looking at data over time. And for me now, it's become much more about what has that caused me to the rest of my day to be like and the following day? And do I really feel energetic and alive and, and, and really engaged that that really feel that that really is helping me to feel better generally? 
Um, and I think a lot, especially in these relatively stressful times, you know, where a lot of us are locked in our own homes to self-imposed lockdown, um, you know, there's a lot of different stresses going on now. And actually working out really, really hard might be one of the last things you really want to be doing right now because you're actually causing stress. You're not around your friends. You're just forcing yourself to do something. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying it's worth considering. You know, walking is super valuable. I'm lucky enough to have a dog, which makes me go and walk it for an hour a day. It doesn't, it, I have to, it doesn't dress me. I have to get dressed, but it does get me out of the house for an hour a day. <laughs> you know, I've um, a trick to, uh, to teach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I just find it fascinating now because I'm looking at it from a lot more, um, a lot more different angles than I was a few years ago. Um, and you know, it's allowed me to also start relate to my own customers that I've been training with and coaching for, for several years now, a lot of them. And actually, you know, they'll say that they've not seen a difference, but we're doing more specific strength and conditioning stuff more along the lines of the stuff that you've been doing more recently to actually get them much more able to control by different body positions. And a lot of that's been body weight as well as you, as you'll have been doing as well because of limited tools at home. Um, but actually the, one of the main things with all of this, including the whole of life is self-awareness. And the biggest thing for me that's happened over recent years is the awareness of really how powerful the stories and by stories, I mean, anything I'm thinking really um, anything that's going around in my head. And actually one of the good ways as, as we've discussed earlier as well, a little bit is, is actually to get people being aware of what they're thinking when they're doing movements, when they're when they want to do something positive in life, but actually you can relate it directly to um, specific movements in 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 the gym or, or in in coaching online, as I do right, you know, a lot of now like you're doing, um, and and if you can get people to identify statements and write write them down, you can actually start to progress them from what seems like a fairly a very limited statement often um like i should be able to lift this barbell <laughs> or i should be able to hold this position for 20 seconds when actually if you get them to say you know um i i can i can lift this or maybe go from a should to a could it, it, you can do a very subtle word change one word at a time so for instance it, one of the good ones we've got some examples in front of us one of them is, is i should always be in control so if you imagine somebody doing a, a single leg split squat where you're actually trying to get them and i you know it's very difficult to assess in some ways how much percentage people are putting weight into that front leg on a split squat uh, split squat if anybody wonders what this is it's like a a, a foreshortened lunge position um, where the back leg, you're trying to get most of your weight into the front foot and you're actually trying to bias all that weight into that, almost the front knee and the front set of quads on that right leg, for instance. Um, and actually it's quite difficult to hold for any length of time. You can might be able to get into a good mimicking a single leg squat position, um, but actually holding it with control without rounding your body forward. There's quite a lot of things going on in not, not, not least of which is trying to bias the weight to that right foot. And if somebody's going in their, in their head, um, I should always be in control. It's like a should, and there's no real evidence that they can do that. It's like, I should be able to be in control. And if you can move them into a could, 
have a word with them when they stand up out of that first practice rep. Now, rather than that statement, relate to it as a could. Hey, does it, can you, do you feel a bit more energy about being able to potentially do this now? And the answer is almost certainly going to be yes, because it's gone from a should to a could. This might sound like alien stuff right now, but if you write down, I should always be, I should always be in control on a piece of paper. Those guys, you, you guys at home do this. And then if you just strike out the word could, uh, should and put could, and then read it out to yourself with a bit of breathing before and afterwards, you'll notice it feels a little bit different. And then if you switch it on into, I can always be in control, and again, breathe and read it and breathe again, it, you actually start to shift a little bit closer to actually being able to do it. And this is just words, but if you literally work through it step by step, and then I can always take control, you just move it one step closer. Um, and now if you try it with that statement in your head, you might not get as low next time, but you might be able to hold your body position slightly better because you're in the world of can. You're actually, your statement as you start to move is I can take always take control. And all you're doing is just saying you, you are taking control and you are not letting, letting your body go and you're not able to go on this particular rep that much lower but it builds confidence just in that initial rep, get them to do it again and just keep repeating, keep repeating. And actually the next statement to take it another step further, maybe on the next set would be you're in charge. You're actually in charge of what's going on here. It's per you're doing very good reps. Now you're, you're in charge. And when you know you're in charge, what happens then you actually get some peace because you don't have to be shooting. You don't have to be thinking, Oh, I, I think I can do this. It's no, no, you, you can do it. And it's just, it's just statements, but reinforced with a bit of movement, you can actually build some really, really powerful, powerful stuff. And actually, if you work, if you work through that with somebody, um, and we do need to get people to actually write this stuff down and actually say it and actually literally feel the sensation of the words coming out of their mouth and relating to what they're doing. Um, that you'll see that you can do it just probably in one movement. And if you say, right, I want you to be, I want you to be in charge of this next movement as well. They'll have the same reference point psychologically to go to the next movement. It could be a strict press. It could be a push up, could be anything. Get the same language in place and you built a foundation for them to be in charge of all the movements and in charge. These words, by the way, are hypothetical because we're not working with an individual. If I was working with somebody, um, we would actually get words that really fire for them in the positive way that this this particular scenario does. This these words probably might sound completely nonsensical to some people. I mean, it, it, to it. I say, if anything, this is you're you're going to be taking taking phrases that have actually come from the individual themselves, because that's obviously to some degree, yeah, yeah. Most is the kind of align with, I guess. Yeah, it, it, what the thing is, a lot of this particular coaching style that I do is if I was working with you, I'd be listening to you breathing. I'd be looking at you on the screen primarily at the moment, given the situation, but I'll be looking for hints of body language shifts, breath shifts, word shifts, how they come out of your mouth. The subtlety of communication is not by no means the words. And then when I see and hear and literally live into the way you're receiving it and the way you say it, then I'll actually respond to it. So I'm not responding to anything here at all. I'm just literally looking at a set of words I wrote up earlier and actually just giving you a, an example. 
this is why it doesn't really relate to a real example. But it, in terms of the words, you can see the shift from I should always be in control, which is like, it's like a bit, A, it's chastising yourself. Because like, why aren't you then? It's like, why you said we should, why aren't you? So immediately there's a negative there. And being in control, if you say that, there's a big negative with being in control. It sounds like you're fearful of not being in, in control. And if you shift that to I'm in charge, well, you're leading, you're leading yourself through something that you know you can do. It, and again, that, that those words are literally just example words and they might not work. They, in a real example, they might not, not actually work, to be honest. But hypothetically, this is the, the way that we work through these statements that are disempowering. We shift it to a, from a, basically a pe- negative context to a positive one. Um, and oh, you can do it with other things. Other, oh, sorry, the, the, the holistic yeah. approach of this in terms of re- relating it and, and, and doing it through coaching, not just sort of in a... I mean, it's it's potentially tough, and 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 current situations do make that harder. But I think coupling this with the actual physical elements of training, so more holistically looking at it, more than just we're just going to look at mindset and isolation, helps hugely. Because if you can attach that to some type of stress in terms of like the split squat, for example, mm. that being a, a, an exercise that's quite tough for someone potentially, they're struggling with that. They have then these negative phrases in their minds it's like that i should i should always be in control um if you can then bring them towards that kind of that more positive way of framing that so like that i am in charge type statement and then couple that with the the actual stress then th- there's a there's a more powerful association they've made there with that and yeah. I think this all comes back to that idea of like reframing people's perspectives like when someone yeah. first comes into a gym everything is hard and I've I've experienced this. I'm sure you've experienced this as a coach. Like people come in and say, "Oh, wow, this is really difficult. I can't do any more." And you kind of look at it from a perspective, and I know certainly I can, and I'm sure you can as well. You look at it as like, "Well, that's not tough. I know personally. I know other people. I know even you are capable of, of significantly more than than what you're doing now." Um, yeah. But well, obviously, your perception is that you've never done anything more difficult than that. So from where you're approaching it now. And this is then coupled with those kind of negative statements in your head. It's like, well, that is the hardest thing you've ever done. So yeah, from your perspective now, you might not be in control and you might think you should be in control. Um, And it's not until someone's actually gone and tried that and done that and realized like, oh, wow, my limits are actually up here. Whereas I thought they were kind of down, down here um, that they, they can really then attach themselves to that, that process of, of going from a kind of negative to positive statement um yeah more powerfully yeah and you 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 kind of um you did when you first started speaking then you actually did the the second part of what we actually do with this first language piece so you take from somebody from being nervous in a movement to actually building confidence in the movement um and actually they walk in with i should always be in control which is their fears if you like through the work with the words you actually bring them mentally to a place where they actually de-traumatize from the words. When you do this properly, you actually take those words and you make them, you take the power out of the words and put in powerful, put in, put in words that supercharge them to create the opportunity for them to try that movement without fear in their head. 
They might still not know. They might be still just practicing the first ever rep of a particular move. But actually, you take the fear statement that they had. And I say fear because the berating I should and then the being control. I'm frightened of dropping this. I don't know. I don't you know, it's 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 actually hidden in that sentence is a whole load of stuff that is just based on something they don't even know because they've never done this lift foot before. So you create the positive statement and de-traumatize them almost from that statement's hold on them. So they're in a place where, oh, I'm in charge. Therefore, I, I'm at peace. I can just have a go. I'm just going to listen to my coach. So now they haven't got the, the the negative, fearful statement. They've got, oh, I can be free right now and just just practice well, listen to my coach intently, take my time. There's no rush because if you're, if you're a good coach, you're not going to force them to rush this. It's the first time they've done it. You're going to coach them appropriately. And then they just build one rep at a time and they take that statement with them. So they build one rep or half a rep even, or just a setup position. And they just then start building rep, 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 rep to the point where they're still peaceful and they feel completely safe. So it, it, it literally does de-traumatize the the kind of negative perceptions of why I feel worried about this thing that we're going to do, da, 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 whatever it is, reframe the language. And before you know it, you've got somebody who's like a blank canvas in front of you, you can, you can coach and they will ask questions, but they'll ask them from a fear of getting better as opposed to being, keeping themselves safe. Mm. And that it, it doesn't, there's a fine line there because, you know, you tell somebody to set up with a deadlift in the right position they could be still feeling a bit fearful of what happens when I start moving, but they're still in charge and they're still peaceful from the perspective then and not attached to that previous statement. So they're probably just a bit nervous. And as you probably are very aware, and this is a really interesting thing to know, uh, interesting thing to things to note with this particular thing. So if nervous and excited are really, really close in the sensation department. So you can be really nervous and frightened of something when actually you're really just a bit excited <laughs> um, or, you know, pretty hyper excited and they're very, they live in very much the same territory. So, and there's nothing wrong with being a bit nervous and a bit excited because that actually gets your nervous system firing, gets a bit of an adrenaline dump in there to kind of really, you know, get you going if you really need it. Um, and again, self-awareness, I learned about fear quite a lot, probably eight, 10 years ago. Um, Actually, I learned earlier than that actually was when I was doing martial arts, um, because one of the things when you're in about is controlling your energy that you're using to, to, to control your fear. Well, actually, guess what? If you cannot go into the, if you can stand up in about and not be frightened, you're a lot, lot more potential for releasing energy the right, the, the right way. <laughs> so, so understanding that difference between being excited and fearful of something um, is, is really valuable. Um, and it's very valuable just in general self-defense in life in general. Um, so getting used to that one, actually an interesting thing, uh, with, if you think about the Wim, Hof, I'm just going to go a little bit sideways here, the Wim Hof stuff and cold therapy. Um, so I, just I'm not quickly, great... if, if no one's heard of Wim Hof, he's definitely a very interesting guy to, to, to check out, um, a little bit, a little bit mad on the face of it. And you might, you might sort of first see him and think who the hell is this, this guy, but I think there's some really interesting application of some of the stuff he does. And I mean, it, it, maybe he's a kind of a, an exceptional person in that respect, but he's certainly done some pretty crazy stuff and, and has, yeah. has 
proven if you like, to an extent that some of the things he's doing are incredibly powerful yeah there's a lot that's come out of his kind of drive and and kind of charisma if you like in the way he is um and he's been if you like he's been a, a kind of a leader in in that kind of sphere of cold therapy breathing work despite the fact there were other leaders before him doing breathing work but the cold piece is is one of the things i was just meant i only brought him up because i'm not a very good swimmer and and i'm, I'm talking about physiology here because i'm relating it to the fear dump uh, the kind of fear thing you get when you're in a frightening situation or when you're getting very nervous about something in particular um there's an automatic physiological response when you go in cold water, which feels to me like I'm about to die. Literally, my body goes, you've got to get out. But actually, it's a really simple, just wait 30 seconds and you'll be fine. <laughs> because your body just, literally, your nervous system calms down again. Because what happens is your breathing goes through the roof and you feel like oh, you've got to get out. But actually, it's just a completely normal human behavior. Um, and once you've flexed your muscles a little bit and got used to it you get used to it so it doesn't feel such a shock but actually just knowing oh i'm going to freak out for 30 seconds when you jump in cold water and knowing you'll be fine in about 30 seconds is really valuable <laughs> so if you ever fall into a river by accident <laughs> or cold water it's actually really good to know give it 30 seconds if you can hold your breath for 30 seconds which would be difficult you hyperventilating and trying to sort of flounder around and get back out again, again properly but this is the interesting thing about learning holistic kind of views on health and well-being and, and kind of how the body works. And that's why I was relating that because it's fear, managing fear and managing things like that for knowing if you're falling cold water, what's going to happen because it's it's almost inevitable um, that that will happen to your body. So these are, these are just simple things. But again, these are things that are difficult to control because it's literally built into your, your nervous system and the lower part of your brain, your reptilian brain to, to for you to survive. It wants your body, not your brain, your logical brain wants to stay in there. <laughs> your actual physical, the lower part of your brain, your nervous system wants to get out of there. <laughs> That's where training, I think, plays into this in a really interesting almost vehicle for exploring that. And I think, as I say, we talked about a little bit briefly before, where training for some people is the most extreme element of their life in terms of physiological stress that their body is undergoing. And it yeah. can be a really powerful vehicle for that person to then learn about that sort of that kind of that response, that fear of yeah. these kind of unknowns, if you like, these unknowns that, that sort of on the face of it seem very scary, but it might just be a, an element of excitement there. And it's kind of like hyper stimulation, which you're not used to. Like, say someone comes yeah. in and they lift like a, a, a really heavy weight, for example, and it's like that's the heaviest weight they've ever lifted. And it's like, wow, this is, this is like absolutely the pinnacle of like stress that my body's ever undergone. Like, it's a really scary thing. I'm not sure. Like deadlifting, for example, like, I can't pull this off the floor because it's going to be way too heavy, going to hurt myself, yeah. all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, maybe, but that also might just be the fact that that's the, that is the hardest thing you've ever done. And it's like without actually going there and trying that and then through coaching, making it a, a safe space to some extent for that kind of exploration of these physical and mental challenges and putting yourself in tough, uncomfortable positions, not necessarily yeah. just for the sake of it being tough and uncomfortable, because what's the point? It, it, it's, it's you're putting yourself in that situation in order that then in future you can be like, well, cool, this, this is uncomfortable, 
but I can bear it and it's okay and I'm safe in this space and nothing's actually going to go wrong in yeah you're building a yeah you're building a really strong foundation of understanding that you yourself can do things that are difficult and it doesn't mean you're going to be able to do everything else that's difficult but it has a deep level of confidence building and actually you you you're kind of putting yourself in the position where literally your body probably doesn't want to do it but cognitively you're forcing yourself to do it so your 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 cognitive brain prefrontal cortex and the cortex is actually you you you're deciding to do it you're making a decision to do it um and then pushing your body the rest of you <laughs> into something that feels really uncomfortable doing um there's one really interesting thing about just coming back to the wim hof stuff which has pioneered this but i i do a lot of other breath work as well through other other resources and other uh, courses that i've done um in a more of an athletic approach which is probably for another conversation but um one of the interesting things that I read up on about read up about last year about in relation to the Wim Hof stuff, and by Wim Hof, I mean the I'm going to talk about the hyperventilation kind of rapid breathing, but then most importantly, the breath holds, because something really, ha really interesting happens with the breath holds. And they reckon this is why it actually has a massive health benefit for people with certain types of, um, if you like, mental illness or, or kind of feeling people who feel depressed down a lot and feel like they need to shift some sort of level of um, mental approach to, to, to the way they're living life. But actually one of the things that happens is by the assertion of your cortex actually thinking, right, I'm going to hold my breath as long as I can and I'm going to do it five times in a row in this set of breathing pattern that we're going to do, which is kind of like the Wim Hof method stuff. You actually caught, this is literally what happens. It's been proven. Your body thinks you're dying because your nervous system, your lower part of your brain, isn't controlling the breath hold. Your cortex is, your thinking brain. What happens is you think, right, I'm going to hold my breath. And you force your body to hold its breath as long as you can. And you're literally, your physical body thinks its part is dying. It's about to die. So it starts to, it actually calms it down weirdly because it thinks it's literally dying it thinks the oxygen has been cut off and literally we're, we're about to pass on to the next realm of existence whatever that might be but that's when when all of that mental stuff actually makes it becomes like an access point to the back door of getting out of that so all of the the thoughts about oh i'm not good enough i'm not great at this i'm my, i don't earn enough whatever you might be self-medicating with alcohol with drugs whatever 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 is all cortex stuff you do that's a practice a behavioral thing you're going deeper into the brain causing it to feel like it's dying and almost doing like a low system reset imagine like you're i don't know if you know how to reset the ram on your computer or is it you, you kind of you might you know no, no the idea. Stuff. yeah yeah but you basically erase the ram so it's completely there's no residue of any kind of data on there and it then works a bit more efficiently it gets a bit mad sometimes gets a bit confused modern computers aren't quite so bad this is probably from a few years ago not not so long ago but <laughs> but anyway you can you can kind of i can't remember what the term is but you basically oh i think you do like a flash drive reset or something like that but anyway it's a bit like you're doing that with your body which i know it sounds weird but they've actually proven that's why this works so well with a lot of people who are struggling with uh, mental health and kind of, um, you know, um, repeating kind of behavior um, stuff like 
I'm, I'm going to relate it to drugs and alcohol because that tends to be how people soothe the pain they're suffering with. They tend to use those two for some people use sex. Some people use excessive exercise, you know, to actually richly self-medicate. So they feel better. They have a different sensation rather than just the normal laborious chatter that's going on in their head. Cause it is all words in your head. It really is the same sentences coming up over and over again. Um, which is where mental health lives. It's literally you're creating another view of the world that's not working for you. <laughs> you know, we all have unique perspectives in that respect. And um, this is where the story work really helps as well, because you can change that narrative. And this is why it's had a huge, it's had a huge effect on me in, in that respect, because it's actually so tactile. You know, you could write a statement about something that you, you're just not enjoying right now, and we could work on it and actually work through it. And uh, suddenly you can create some a different perspective and the way I do it with the breathing and the, the, the translation and actually with a specific story as well, like a, a story from your past um, is it, it's almost like a thought form of therapy, but it's not classed as therapy. I just relate to it as story work and it, it's worked for me. And it, uh, I found it's ridiculously valuable. I actually can't believe I've unlocked who I was before <laughs> and got to where I am living in purpose and, you know, helping I people. It is, isn't it? It's stripping back a lot of those because so, the only way we can be sort of more self-aware and then actually start to address these more underlying deeper issues is by peeling back all these kind of defensive layers that we've built up. And this, as I mean, we've talked about this a bit previously, but these could be things that are like 10, 15, 20 plus years ago that, Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. Oh, sort of well, coming me up. a lot longer, but you're a bit younger than me. Yeah. Well, a lot younger. I, think, I think I'm twice your age. I had many issues when I was about two or three, so I think it's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that kind of like those really deep underlying things that you sub like consciously, sorry, don't really realize are having any kind of effect. But it's all had this this kind of build up effect over many years, and it's kind of it's an embedded thing within your kind of like your your psyche, your behavior at that point, and it's yeah. only when you can start to break down all these barriers and that's when the physical elements and some of these things like the breath work comes into play alongside the the, the sort of the as your story work as you could call it because you are putting yourself into a physical physiological position whereby you can then start to dig into these things a little bit deeper and as you say, like do that kind of like that almost like hard reset of and it comes into your nervous system here. And this is where the kind of physiology comes into it in terms of like your, your breath is almost like a direct link into your, into your nervous system. And if we're always, it's called a sympathetic state. So it's kind of a bit of a strange term for it because it's really being hyped up essentially. So everything excited and ready to go, go, go. It's where we live within if we're in this really highly stressed state. Whereas yeah, yeah. what we can do through that kind of that reset almost with breathing and there's, there's other methods of doing that, but breathing is a really, really good one um, or meditation or mindfulness or, or whatever. Um, we can start to get into a, a more parasympathetic state. So essentially it's down regulating everything so that we can create space, if you like, internally, physically, and then mentally as well to actually then start digging into these, these sort of underlying self-awareness issues that we just would never be able to access otherwise yeah it's 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 true the breath the breath the breath is underutilized still by by many many people certainly that i come across um i think that the, the problem with it is it's just it's hard to conventionally within com the conventional science world it's very hard to to dig into that stuff so you need those kind of those almost fringe people fringe minds to be working yeah on it. 
the Wim Hofs, like the Brian McKenzies or whoever else. Yeah, there is a lot more science though. And again, a bit, a bit like the, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier that, you know, the trauma stuff, uh, tra trauma is recognized now as something much more globally as something that is a, is a thing that people struggle with. It's not like somebody, so for instance, I, I didn't, I wasn't, didn't have personally mental health issues. I was somebody who actually basically had some sort of traumatic events, which caused me to behave in particular ways. So, and that's literally how I relate to myself. You know, somebody would say, well, he's a bit, you know, he, he's this kind of person or he's that kind of person. Well, yeah, uh, because I was traumatized and I didn't, the actual thing is I didn't know specifically, I knew these stories, but I didn't realize the amount of control they still, or the power they had in the back of my mind, because these stories aren't stories that I go around thinking, oh yeah, I'm like that. So I'm going to behave like this. You just adapt. You're, hum you're just a human, like an animal, basically. We're a, we're a sophisticated, over-talking animal. <laughs> and, um, and actually, when I do any story work session, which is a specific session I do to, to help people kind of get from a position they're in right now to another position, if you came to me and said, oh, I'm having struggle, I'm struggling, really struggling with my deadlifts right now. It's really, really annoying me. And I really can't get it out of my head that I'm so annoyed. And just, I just really don't want to do it, but it's something I need to do. Well, we'd sit down, we'd set up a session. I'd get you to fill in a form on a Google Doc, and then we'd have a, a session. And we'd almost certainly not talk about deadlifts. And we'd almost certainly talk about nothing to do with health and fitness and your profession we'd probably talk about something that happened 10 years ago when you're at school or with your parents or with your brother, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know if you've got a brother, it doesn't really matter, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It will be something you don't know about because it's, it, that's what's controlling you deep underneath the, the deadlift problem, mm. or it has a relationship to that. And if you unlock that deep rooted story, that is usually not, it's not, it doesn't feel relevant. That's where the power is. And actually the breath, is to create that parasympathetic state so that when you find out, write down this challenging story, you can read it and breathe through it and actually de-traumatize that particular st those, that particular story. So whatever power it held in you, you're trying to draw the power out of it and actually put it on paper and get it out of your head is the first thing to do. Um, and by just doing that, right, most people don't write shit down. They just don't write it down. So that deadlift problem you've got, where, where does it live right now? Oh, it's in your head. Well, it, you can't do anything with it in your head apart from think about it all the time <laughs> or every now and again. If you write it down, you can look at it and go, then you can start working with it. It's literally like creating a, you know, a goal. Okay, I want to change this statement. Write it on a bit of paper. And that's where journaling and those kind of practices, as well as then breathing well, knowing how to use your breath properly, you know, breathing really over the period of the last 18 months for me, it's a day it's a practice it's not you're not going to just spend 10 minutes breathing and suddenly be fixed it's like going for the walk every day it's like going making a nice meal every day it's like going to sleep for seven hours every night it's something you want to do a bit of every day if you can and build and flex those muscles you know um and then it becomes a practice and then you start to feel gradual a change in the way you relate to yourself and it's all really about how you relate to you um, how you want to be around any aspect of your life, how you want to be in relationships, work, whatever it might be. Mm. Superpowers, my man. Superpowers. Superpowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the yeah the breath is the breath is or or work around breathing 
and then maybe more from my perspective as a sort of in the strength and conditioning how that then affects biomechanics so we can absolutely then, yeah yeah like in terms of how that actually affects how we move and the movement solutions we have sort of self-organizing our entire body be it in exercise or be it in general life sport whatever also has such a huge role to play and just yeah. think like every time we take a breath that in some way affects every part of our body give or take yeah. that physically great, yeah, yeah. panics like yeah. almost every bone in our body does something when we breathe and equally on the other side of that physiologically something like it affects most of our body every time we take a breath and then mentally as well it can then play into this so it's all in this kind of like big crazy into interwoven connected um mess if you like that the like um, its own little version of the matrix basically yeah, you, know, yeah. you know or the butterfly analogy you know butterfly flies across the bottom of australia and you know the wind blows up here but literally it's kind of all connected which is um, there's, there's people that have been onto this route for for years and it's not a new phenomenon but it's starting to now make its way into kind of like the, the mainstream if you like and i think that it can only be for for the better really um and I think that ha having that holistic approach is really important because if you're just approaching things from your own silo, you get very kind of like blinkers on to, to how it actually plays into all the other elements. And if you're not considering the wider picture, you're just completely missing the point and, and, and you're not really going to be helping yourself or helping people get to kind of like their, their end, that end point uh, as effectively as you could otherwise be. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think one of the key take takeaways probably for some of the guys that you're working with and, and listeners will be that, you know, it's all well and good doing three, five sessions of of if you like going to the gym or doing conditioning strength sessions a week. But actually, the, the most important fundamental things are things like sleep, bit of breath work, hydrating properly not just drinking as much water as you can hydrating properly which is a lot more uh, interesting than you think it is um and then you know getting just good solid nutrition in there and don't get into a sort of diet kind of mindset just just get good quality food going in control your portions by all means um but those things if you just get most of those if you get 78 percent of that right in each of their individual areas you're going to get a win of a you're going to be out you're going to be performing 50% better across the whole of your life somewhere, probably within a few months um, while you're still doing the same stuff in the gym and your, and your gym sessions will be more productive because you've aligned the rest of your body. Um, your, your hour you spend in the gym every, that's one twenty fourth of your actual, actual day in terms of hours, isn't it? And if you're not then yeah. aligning all the stuff outside of that, which arguably is, is much more important and has much more of a role to play in, in general well-being, than than does the hour yeah. you spend in the gym like you, you can easily if you say you get those 78 percent of that in line to some degree you go from having that 124 to i don't know 15 out of 24 sort of those yeah, hours of the day yeah. that are a little yeah. bit more focused and aligned towards where you want to go and the difference yeah. that makes is going to be like astronomical it's huge and it's, it's yeah. ridiculous that it's not not something and hey, this is something within the COVID sort of scenario we have at the moment, not something that's been more widely pushed in terms of health and longevity of people is all of these very basic elements of general exercise. And I know it's something that started to be pushed, but general exercise, sleep, um, sleep's a huge one. I, I, it's just, it yeah. just baffles me sometimes how like 
how sort yeah. of disregarded it almost is in respect to just general health and well-being yeah if you if you read up on there's some great books out there i mean i read that why we sleep comes to mind yeah, is a yeah. good one that's yeah, a, that's that's a, a good one to... yeah and actually the other one the, the breathe there's a book called breathe by i can't remember the guy i read it on order before it was out last year last july just called breathe it'll be on it'll be on amazon but that one will teach you the power of breath in a very broad way in a, a kind of storytelling way it's actually a really interesting book but you'll understand why breathing is is a big big thing there um and i think yeah the other thing i was going to say in the covid times right now and i, th I think we're getting close to time aren't we but, yeah um, yeah hot thing that i relate to people right now is posture so a lot of people who sit work sit at the desk i'm sat at my dining room table which is i've got a view, lovely view out the window but i need to get up you need to get up and move or even one of the other things that actually is very valuable is just doing micro movements, just turning your head rather than staring at the screen the whole time. So tilting, turning, just do smooth, steady twisting in the neck. That helps your nervous system relax the rest of your body off a little bit because you're, you're affecting that lower brainstem nervous system as it goes down through the spine, um, through the spinal cord. But it, it just gets you a bit looser sitting with your shoulders back and down when you are sitting down and then get up at least once every 45 minutes and even you just stretch your legs for one minute or, you know, just walk around the house for one minute. You've got to make... make... The, third, the, the best posture is the next posture, isn't it? So it's always yeah. the one, yeah. You, you, sort of, yeah, just, just keeping moving. Your body is designed to move. And so if you're not yeah. moving, that, that, yeah, there's a whole host of problems that come along with that. Yeah, one of the, um, one of the coaches that, um, in fact, the coach on my main story work course uh, mentioned something and I don't, I've not verified this, but I can imagine it. But you're probably aware now that, you know, most of the, the kind of magnetic field, energy field that comes out of your body, which has been, you know, researched heavily now, comes mostly from your heart. But actually, they reckon the move, when you're walking, the movement of your arms brushing against the side of your body actually has a, a positive kind of feedback loop in terms of the energy field you create so actually at a very low level and it might sound insignificant but one of the reasons why walking could be good is because you're actually you're calmly moving these arms forward and backwards and if you think about it walking is how we i say walking specifically we that's how we've evolved is to walk around from place to place if you're not actively walking for 20 minutes plus a day i would say you're missing out on a big thing that we are as animals, you know, human beings, we are animals, we're a living organism. You are designed to move that way. Um, so walking's super valuable. And it's got, even if you don't think it is, it really is. So go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think uh, if we start to sort of uh, say conscious time closing up now, is just literally, yeah, yeah. is there anything in terms of, um, where people can find you, what you're doing, uh, anything else that you want to want to talk about? Yeah, I'll just quickly note where I am, where I live on the uh, the multi-web, as it were. So um, Instagram's probably the best place to find me. I'm kind of de-emphasizing Facebook right now. So I'm coach.simon.drew on Instagram. Um, the email to use would be um, simon at simondrew.net simon drew all on word.net um and um yeah this so i offer story work sessions which are specific around working on those statements in your head 
Um, I've also got a program I'm preparing. I'm not sure if I'm going to launch it next week now. Um, I need to get some more people involved. Um, but it's a program which is basically a holistic program, um, eight-week program. And the idea is that you come in with whatever position you're in in life. Um, it could be that kind of midlife crisis kind of episode you're going through. You could feel confused with what you're going to do with work right now because you may have been in a difficult situation with work. A lot of people over the last year or so have gone through those challenges of, you know, having probably reassessing what the hell's going on. Um, and for me, I've really found a purpose and purpose is where you want to be coming from if you can in terms of finding a new job, in terms of creating that new kind of life you'd like to really like to be living because there's opportunities here right now, even though there's a lot of negatives of being locked in your own house for a while. Um, there's a lot of opportunity now to, to, to create something new. So anybody who's really looking at kind of a fairly hefty challenge or something they feel they really want to dig into and create some change with, um, this program is designed to actually empower them. There's story work built into it. And of course, come that from that holistic point of view, I can really come at life from a, a range of very different angles outside of the story work. And we can really analyze, you know, are you really focusing on some of the basics again, fit, sleep, hydration, food, exercise, whatever you're doing, whatever it is, we can create a plan of action through the story work, create some new ideas, new, new sense of purpose, basically, and actually set some goals then and take some action. And with eight weeks, people will be able to get from a kind of demotivated or frustrated or even stressed out position. And this is just an example of what people might be feeling. There could be a lot of other stuff to somewhere where they feel now they've got a new sense of purpose and they've already taken probably within the first couple of weeks, really direct action to start progress in that direction. And they might, you know, that, that's pretty scary. Going through something like that could be pretty scary for people. So if they're feeling a bit like, if you're actually scared to even think about that, guess what? That Get on a discovery call with me, which is another thing you can do via fitterlife.net, which is one word, which is the name of my program. You can click on the discovery call button there. And I promise within half an hour, 45 minutes, we will create some real value and understanding of what action you can take whether it be just coming and join me on the program, whether it be do X, Y, and Z to kind of define where you want to be and where you want to go. And I will literally coach them through empowering them to, to create some specific tasks or change, or even just reading a book and explaining them some stuff. Okay. They'll literally get coached. So that's a good opportunity to talk to me directly there straight away. And I'm happy to do that. So yeah, they're, they're the ways I like to communicate. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll get all of those different things linked down in the show notes as well if anybody interested and wants to reach out to simon um for any of those different elements that he's, he's talked about and we've, we've mentioned throughout the the episode um yeah i think that's 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 it man thanks for uh, thanks for making some time to come and chat i know we, we've obviously had a few conversations off off air if you like um I think it's yeah really it's interesting been the area I, I love the approach you're taking and i think there's so much value in it and people can get a lot from it yeah i appreciate it my friend it's been it's been great to connect with you and we'll um we'll stay in touch and i i'm yeah, hoping yeah. as i say i'm going to be able to uh you know be referring people to you both ways hopefully and um because i specifically will have people for for specifically strength and condition stuff conditioning stuff of course and um and likewise i think you'll have people you know want to go down different routes as well and, and get coaching from myself so it's been an absolute priv privilege my friend um let's stay in touch thanks mate Okay, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for listening in to another episode of the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. 
have a look down below for all the show notes resources and links um, that are relevant to the show or search for apex delta coaching on social media or just google apexdeltacoaching.com and you'll find our website lastly if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe and leave a review any support is really appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast so more people can benefit from it going forward thanks for listening have a good week stay safe and we will talk soon